0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, Xiao Ik. Today, we're going to be talking about resistance training and... Uh, If you look it up uh, on Google, it says that it consists of exercises that increase muscular strength. Uh, And this is something that many people take to mean that it is for athletes or for people who are trying to bulk up, perhaps. Um, But I'm going to find out today from my guest whether that's actually true or is resistance training actually for everyone. My guest today is Dr. Arvind Raj, a sports medicine physician and a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He's joining me today to explain how resistance training could have health benefits for everyone, regardless of your age or, you know, your sort of sporting prowess or abilities. Dr. Arvin, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for inviting me here, Xiao.
0: You know, we perhaps you could start by um, telling us what a strength and conditioning specialist is. What do you do?
1: Okay, so uh, I'm, I'm basically a person with two hats. As a sports physician... I'm, I'm a doctor by, uh, by profession and I'm a sports physician at the moment because I've completed a master's in sports medicine and then hence from here on forth, I'll be a sports physician. But I always had a, like a deep ingrained passion uh, with the field, uh, in the fitness field. So I, I started off when I was uh, 18 years old as a fitness instructor before I got into medical school. So I always had a goal that uh, as a fitness instructor... Eventually, you will lead to this uh, certification called as CSCS or Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. So, this is probably uh, the the rank at which a trainer is already reaching the point where they become the trainer that trains trainers and the depth of your knowledge in the, uh, in that particular field uh, goes past just particularly like talking about sets and reps and those kind of things. You have to have a deep understanding of how uh, the muscle hypertrophy works, muscle strength works. How do you optimize an athlete for a competition? Okay, how do you actually set up a gym? Uh, what is sports psychology? So how would you put a strength and conditioning specialist is between an athletic trainer or a coach for say a particular team? okay. And uh, the athletes, you have the strength and conditioning specialist in, in the center who actually manages the, uh, the athlete's um, performance. It applies to almost any sport you're talking about, even if it's like powerlifting or weightlifting or whatever it is. The strength and conditioning specialist's job is to optimize the athlete's uh, performance. Eventually, my goal is actually to improve the fitness industry. I feel the fitness industry is, is, is laden with a lot of people who are unqualified. I feel that we should actually guide our fitness industry towards a path where most people know what they're doing. You have the basic knowledge, a basic certification.
0: Um, Let's, uh, again, just a bit on some basic terms, right? Strength, conditioning. Uh, And maybe we don't want to assume that everyone understands what Mm -hmm. those terms mean Mm -hmm. in the context of um, fitness and and our muscles and things like that. So maybe you want to give, again, a dummy's guide to that.
1: Okay, strength is is actually an attribute. So basically strength is the ability to produce force against an external load. So that could be anything. A magnitude of strength could be whether lifting a pen or doing a, a 250 kilo deadlift. So that is strength. But to condition yourself, so an athlete needs to be conditioned to be fast, to be powerful, to be strong. Yeah, uh, to be to with uh, to with uh, whole uh, tackles and those kind of things. So mm-hmm. how do you condition them for them? So they have to have good agility. They have to go have good power production. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to go have speed. So all those are conditioning them towards uh, an athletic performance. Mm-hmm. So it depends who we are talking about. If you are talking about the lay person, probably you can get away with strength. You don't have to actually, as said, do a five o five to actually improve the agility. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about an athlete a football player they need all those attributes to make them a good player you know no one is just running in a straight line you have to turn you have to be tackled you have to manoeuvre around players so Mm -hmm. how do you improve those attributes that's where the strength and conditioning specialist comes in Mm -hmm. and and improves those things based on the drills that they do and and so on okay Right. yeah
0: and coming back to strength, uh, just a, a more anatomical understanding, I suppose. How do we develop the strength in our muscles uh, you know, as we grow from children to adulthood? And uh, is this something that then declines later in life?
1: Okay, actually, okay. that's a very good question, actually. So, skeletal muscle is, in, is a tissue that's responsible for your movement, your posture. Okay, there's just the skeletal muscle. There's also other muscles, smooth muscles and your cardiac muscles which are involved. So, basically, we are just a whole lot of muscles Okay? Without muscles, we are nothing. Okay? So, strength is the ability to produce force and its summation of uh, it's a summation of neurological efficacy and the ability of each muscle fiber to generate force. So, these specialized cells uh, is present in our body from head to toe. Okay? Right from you moving your eyebrows to you moving your toes, everything is dictated by the muscle and obviously by your neurological system. Yeah. And And... A kid gain, kicking their moms in their wombs. How does that happen? It's because of muscular development. Mm. You know? So as we grow from infants to full-grown adults, muscles are always subjected to tension. And when they're subjected to tension, whether you're standing, you're pushing, you're pulling, this acts as a stimulus for muscles to increase in strength. Now for a kid, it could be just trying to lift, uh, an infant, trying to lift his or her head up. That itself is an external load. That's why it's such a, like a big deal when a kid actually can hold their heads up. Yes. Okay, maybe not for us. Okay? But as as you're growing and you're getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you need to adapt to newer things. You need to able be able to stand, you need to able to go up a staircase. Then it depends, if depends on your job or depends whether you're an athlete, then you have to develop special strength attributes to carry out those tasks. Mm. You know? So those are the things that you need for activities of daily living and there are things that you need for other tasks. So strength development it becomes very, very specific based on the needs you know so there's general strength for what we do as activity of daily living and there is specific strength that means if you're t- talking about deadlifting then you got to learn how to deadlift to develop the strength to deadlift
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: you you can't you can't deadlift 250 kilos by sitting and standing it, it there's no specificity in that so that's how strength develops based on what we need but for the vast majority of people what we're trying to do we're trying to actually just live our lives and try not to have aches and pains till later on in life so the idea of this, why we are we are working on strength is to make sure that you have the capacity to deal with that. So I, I would normally explain this to my patients in, in, in the way that whenever you have a particular capacity, okay, so you say you have, I'm just giving arbitrary number. So your capacity is 100, but you're always working within a range of 60 to 70 in your daily living. So you never outdo your actual capacity. But if your capacity is always 50 and you're always trying to do 60, 70, eventually you're going to get injured. So, the vast majority of people, why they get injured or why they get aches and pains and everything, because you're always outdoing your actual capacity. Okay? And eventually, something is going to break.
0: Can we get an example of that? Um, perhaps a typical person who's not necessarily an athlete, mm-hmm. but does some exercises uh, during the weekend, something mm-hmm. like that, and, and how would outperforming their capacity, what would that look like?
1: Okay, like for instance... Um, I know this is not probably the best example, but say if somebody gets ill. Say your mom gets ill. And you are a person who's sedentary your whole life. And now mom needs your help to pull her up, to move her around, those kind of things. So, and this, trust me, I've had many patients with similar complaints. Because you've never, be, never done any kind of strength training. Now suddenly someone requires your help to move them around, lift them. And remember, some, some of them become so incapacitated, they become like dead weight. They don't really help you when they're trying to stand up. So imagine trying to do that on a day-to-day basis. You will get injured. Mm. Okay, I've mm. seen it in my in front of my eyes when when my grandma got ill. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and imagine that person. You have to do that on a daily basis. Mm. Eventually, you will get, you probably get injured because maybe because of technical issues, you're getting tired and so on and so forth. Eventually, you might get injured. So mm. this applies to vast majority of people. So most of the injuries that happens is normally because either overuse or there's a sudden inflicted. Uh, increment in requirement
2: mm-hmm. And then I,
1: I mean you did ask How does that decline as mm-hmm. we age right Yeah, yeah so of, of course as we age We are all physiologically aging But now it depends on how you're aging physiologically You will see an 80 year old Who can actually do tremendous lifts Okay and you'll see the same 80 year old In a wheelchair What makes them different is how they actually led their life Okay, if we had grandparents who were actually working in the Klapa areas yeah. or, or they in the, in the uh, rubber estates, yeah. they were hard laborers. Yeah. And you see those grandparents are pretty fit into the 70s, 80s. Okay, so why is that? Because they, they, of course, if they had better nutrition and better work-life balance, mm-hmm. they probably would not get as, as, as much injuries as they would. But with those fitness, you'll see that they actually like my grandma until seventy-three, seventy-four years old, she was pacing up and down the house. Mm. You know? That's how fit she was because of the, the things she did when she was much younger. But look at our job scope these days. We yeah. are mostly seated, even myself in my clinics. Mm. If we don't accrue those muscle strength or muscle mass when you're younger, it will decline much faster as we age. Mm -hmm. Because that is something that you cannot run away from. Mm -hmm. So as you're aging, the the amount of uh, protein synthesis, because muscles are developed from proteins. So synthesis basically means production, and then there's degradation. There's always a check and balance in our body. You can't just keep synthesizing. You know, that, that becomes a tumor. Okay, so it, there's the, the balance between synthesis and degradation should be a net positive. Hence you, why you will, you will build muscle mass. But when the net becomes a negative with physiological aging, you start losing muscle mass. That is essentially what's called a sarcopenia. Mm-hmm. It's a massive health problem that we have. Okay, it's it's causing a lot of morbidities. It causes your your falls, your injuries and so on and so forth. We can, we can talk about it a bit more in depth later on. Okay. Then the lack of physical activity in the elderly. Okay, most of them are always just seated at home. Or someone tells them, don't do too much.
0: Exactly. Yeah, which... which We don't want you to fall down. So stay at home. Just watch TV. Exactly. Kind of Isn't
1: that the easiest thing to say? Like, because no one has to watch them. I understand everybody has their uh, responsibilities. But that is also the worst advice to give to an elderly. Yeah. You know? The lack of proper nutrition. Like, you'll you you'd be surprised that the elderly, it's, it's so little protein. That is not enough to even make up for the synthesis that they need mm. and not eat, not factoring in the, the fact that they can't absorb as much protein as a younger person mm. you know so if you already have an inefficacious absorption system it only makes sense to eat a little bit more to make up for the inefficiency mm-hmm. but no they actually eat, eat much lesser mm-hmm. so imagine the amount that actually gets into their body you know, into their bloodstream it's it's much lesser mm. so all of this factoring in with even with poor sleep and so on and so forth not uh, disease states yep all of those actually contribute to us declining as we age.
0: All right. Yeah. So we'll go for a quick break and come back to really look more at that strength training perspective. I'm speaking today to Dr. Arvind Raj, a sports medicine physician and a certified strength and conditioning specialist. Stay tuned to Health and Living BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik. Joining me in the studio today, Dr. Arvind Raj, a sports medicine physician and a certified strength and conditioning specialist. We spent the first part of the show trying to get a basic understanding of how we develop muscle strength and how that is something that the body is conditioned to do, uh, but uh, there are many external factors, you know, the way that we lead our lives, what kinds of lifestyles are we sedentary? Are we physically active? Um, are we um, training our muscles to grow so that when we reach that age when aging or rather actually we start aging the moment we're born, don't we? So when the physiological aging process is taking place, uh, we we're losing muscles. How much reserves, um, you know, do we have left Mm -hmm. and uh, are we able to actually maintain strength, agility, mobility, prevent injuries and falls and so many things that we hear about, especially among older adults today. So resistance or strength training, I assume the two terms are interchangeable. Are interchangeable.
1: It's like you you read my script.
0: (laughs) What exactly? We do hear it on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I said at the start of the show, some people assume if I'm not an athlete or training for some sort of weightlifting thing, it's not relevant for Mm -hmm. me. So, like, what's the basic that you want everybody to know about strength training?
1: So, so, as you correctly said, it's actually, it's it's a term that's used interchangeably. Okay, or you can call it senaman beban, senaman rintangan to the Malay community, you know, those who are listening. So, resistance training is basically if you're applying external load and expectation and increase, you expect an increase in strength, uh, muscular tone, muscular mass, and, even, and also muscular endurance. Now, when a muscle is actually exposed to a certain stress, and the the term we use here is use stress, that means the right amount of stress, or we call it secukup rasa. Okay? the body reacts by adapting, physiologically adapting and overcoming the stress. So this process becomes progressive and the sky is the limit. Okay? So the sky is the limit to where you want to go with this. How strong do you want to go with this? You know, you will start off with, say, for instance, like when I was much younger, I got trapped under a 40 kilo bench press Mm. because I was just so weak. Mm. But now I do 150 kilos. That's the progression that you go through as you keep, applying external load onto yourself your body adapts and adapts this is essentially what happens with almost anything in our body you're not only just talking about muscles you're talking about bones how does a bone a fractured bone actually heals it's actually following the wolf's law when an external load is applied upon something mm. then it adapts it actually, the stress actually allows it to adapt but that's, that, that stress has to be a huge stress there has to be a good amount of stress not too much not too little mm. when it's too little it becomes stress shielding when it's too much, it becomes distress. Mm. Okay. So likewise for everything in our body, it heals via this particular mechanism and you give it adequate amount of stress. Strength is similar, you know. So in the first eight to 10 weeks of you uh, doing some sort of strength training, you will see that your strength actually doubles in within the first eight to 10 weeks. Why is that? It's because you become more synchronized. Okay. So basically if you had to teach someone to do a squat, for instance, in the first week it's going to be very wobbly everything's all over the place, they're falling, they're not even sure which way to move. But as you keep practicing it, you realize you become very, very efficient. In the first 8 to 10 weeks, that efficiency itself, because the brain coordinates with the peripheral muscles, the coordination itself causes the muscle strength to improve because they are starting to work together, they're synchronizing, they're recruiting together, the speed of recruitment increases. So,
0: so I mean it's the, not just a mechanical movement, is no,
1: it? No, no. So, it, uh, who dictates the movement? It's the brain. Mm. So, the brain tells the muscles to move. Mm. So, how does this coordination, like any skill, with practice, the coordination becomes impeccable, yeah. you know, and you keep practicing and then it gets better and better and better and better as we go. Mm. You know, so that's essentially what's happening with strength training. Now, as you continuously strengthen, eventually what happens is the body also adapts by increasing the muscle fiber size. Now, uh, most people are going to think like, oh, no, I'm going to start looking like She-Hulk after this. Mm. Okay. No, actually, that's not true. It's, it's not so simple, you know, to get from point A to point B or looking like someone extremely muscular, it takes a whole lot of work to get there. But you will see some small changes as you keep going. And as I said earlier, it depends on what your goals are, how far you want to go with this. Are you going to go onto a maintenance phase at some point and then just hold it at that particular position? That that really depends on you. But you will have some positive benefits of increasing strength and muscle mass. There is no person that I've met who is unhappy that the increment in strength and muscle mass actually caused them better physiological function. No one has told that. Oh, because of the muscle mass, I've gotten worse. Mm. You know, what they will tell you is going up stack is a lot easier. Getting up. Like my, fe- uh, my female patients tell me, like, picking up groceries has never been easier. You know, they will take three bags of groceries and one run. That's mm. it. How is that happening? It's because they have actually gradually improved their strength.
0: But does strength training need to be something that you have to do forever, basically?
1: I would normally um, say that strength training is something like paying rent. Okay, you don't pay your rent, you don't get to stay there. Okay, so adaptations, your body will always adapt to what is required and it'll, dig, it'll regress the moment it's not needed mm. to its baseline. That means you will need, I mean, you still need to sit and stand and move around and so on and so forth. It will regress to a particular point. So if you're talking about top tier strength, say, for instance, like uh, if you're, I'm a powerlifter, so for me to maintain my top tier strength, okay, I need to train hard enough to keep those gains. And those gains don't come easy. It took me 10 years to get there. It will take me about five months of not doing anything to lose all of it. Mm you know, and go back to probably, obviously I'll still be stronger than when I started, but I will, to get back to the top tier strength, is going to take me some time again. So, when we're talking about maintaining muscle mass for daily activities, as long as you do some to just maintain a good amount of strength for daily activities so that you manage your life with a good amount of strength mm. it's not that difficult actually. It's actually. At
0: the end of the day what you want is to be able to like you said right, lift some groceries on a daily basis exactly. without feeling like it's such an effort and things like that.
1: Exactly. Mm. So, so think about like, put a, put this into your perspective as a person who's moving around I mean I don't I don't think you want to feel like your entire movement is a drag. Mm. You would want to feel like everything is swift. Mm. Everything is like a hydraulic you know it just moves when you need to you lift groceries you can do it when you want to, and to pick up your child you can pick up up a child. I mean, don't we all want that. I mean, that's essentially what we want. We, we don't want to be struggling. You need to go up three flights of stairs. You have no issues with that. Yeah. You don't need to hold on to the side whenever you need to walk up. Mm. So all of those are strength attributes, mm. you know?
0: So then coming to um, what strength training looks like, and again, if I could refer to perhaps some misconceptions that people have, must it always involve um, weights and dumbbells and things like that?
1: Okay. Uh, strength training itself, because I told you it's an attribute, right? It can be developed with any kind of external load. And your body weight itself is external. I mean, if you do, did, you did 10 push-ups, that's technically an ex- external load. Now, so that, that that particular field is called calisthenics. Calisthenics is basically using your own body weight as the external load. You know, if I ask you to do a squat with two legs, it's easy. But if I ask you to do it with a single leg, it becomes a lot harder. Mm. Okay? So that there it becomes an external load to your own legs. Mm. So, yes having dumbbells and kettlebells and bands and machines and free weights, it gives you variability. You don't have a lot, have a lot of it. Like for instance, someone can't do a push up because probably your body weight is too heavy for you. So you need to regress the exercise. So like asking them to do a five kilo bench press compared to their body weight is 50 kilos. A five kilo bench press is a lot lighter, yeah. you know? So that allows them to progress towards their own body weight eventually. Mm. So that, Equipment makes uh, one thing variability and it becomes more approachable.
0: So how should people approach strength training, uh, especially for those who are uh, inexperienced or unused to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back to what do people need to know of themselves before they start and how would they start that journey?
1: Okay, so uh, I mean, if you don't have any medical illness and no real health hazards before this, then probably it's it's, it's not a big issue, mm-hmm. but I would normally still advise everyone to do this uh, this physical activity readiness questionnaire. It's a very simple questionnaire that has about seven questions. Okay, it's a yes and no question. Mm-hmm. Basically, you don't have uh you don't have a yes to any of those. You're basically fine to go and exercise. And I would say this to even the trainers out there before you actually get any clients, do a park queue. Okay, you must do a parkour because that those are the major Reflects You're talking about like, uh, do you have a heart condition before that the doctor said you must be ex- you must be exercising supervised, or do you have chest pains before? Have you fainted before? Uh, do you have bone uh, bone and joint problems before? Do you have stability issues before? So if, when you answer those questions and you have a no to all of these issues, then probably you're safe,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know. But if you had chest pain before while taking a walk, then immediately it 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 begs the question like, what is the problem behind that you had a chest pain? So then you will have to have further assessment by normally a sports physician. We will do other assessments to see whether you're fit to, to exercise, mm-hmm. and if you are fit to exercise, at what level you should be exercising, at what loads is safe for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so th- we will do other assessments like a like a stress test. So if they at the very starting of the exercise, like the first level, they already start seeing easy changes, you you are extremely unsafe to exercise outside mm-hmm. our supervision.
0: Do you think this happens often though that people jump into any sort of physical activity without knowing all of these?
1: It's extremely common. Mm. A lot of us uh, assume that when you're young, you have no issues. Mm. Uh, but I've seen a fair share of cases where patients who were young and went for a walk and got a stroke, you know, uh, who who was young, exercised and had a ruptured vessel because they never realised they had conditions Uh that actually the exercising itself uncovered
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know so yes exercising generally is safe but there are people and you don't know whether you are the exception yeah. until you something actually happens which I don't want anyone to go through that situation but doing this like this simple park you mm-hmm. kind of at least there's something to start with
0: can you access this online yes yes
1: just yes, <laughs> Put Park You, Park, park You questionnaire. Uh, yeah. yeah, physical, physical activity questionnaire. Mm. And, the, and you don't even have to like download anything, just read that question and answer it to yourself. Yeah, that's true. You know? mm. And if you don't have anything that's worrying, then go ahead. Mm. Yeah. Okay. yeah, so it's yeah. a good way to start. Mm.
0: And what do people start with? Or do, does everyone need to have a, a, a trainer or see a sports physician just to start doing strength training?
1: I mean, ideally speaking, yes, if, if you could afford a trainer. Yes, it would be fantastic if you can afford a trainer. But if you can't, there are a lot of uh, TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and everything. So there are a lot of credible trainers out there. I mean, just don't go your, go and follow your favorite influencer. Some Sometimes that's, that can be very, very misleading, yeah. you know. But you have a lot of experts in the field who are actually churning out free content. Like myself, for instance. I I churn out free content because not everybody is going to be able to come to my clinic, Mm. you know. So at least to help those who can't, people who are probably living in Kedah who wants to know about exercise. And if they hear about me, they go into my content and I talk about these kind of things. So you get free content there, you know. And you see other experts who have actually done like probably like 30-minute videos of how to exercise and what to do and what form to follow. And those basic stuff. Mm. You can start there. Mm. And if you see yourself not going anywhere after a particular point, and you feel like you want to go further, and probably that time, you might uh, get a trainer. And, you know, uh, hire a trainer and they might take you to another position or another point of your life.
0: Mm. Yeah. But, um, how do people know, <laughs> I, I guess, at what level they should start at and whether they can push themselves a little more? You know, earlier you talked about the exercisers and you have your...
1: Recreational athletes, you have competitive athletes and, and your elite, elite athletes, athletes yeah. right? And
0: then, perhaps you have people who are not even exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we look at strength training at those different levels?
1: Okay, so I think the bare minimum here, uh, WHO actually has come up with a guideline of what the bare minimum exercise should be, and you you'd be surprised the statistics to this thing is actually quite quite depressing. So uh, so actually the number of adolescents and uh, that actually. F- they actually did a study. In, it was released in the British Journal of Sports Medicine recently in 2022. So they took 33.3 million participants of out of 32 countries to see how many of them actually follow this guideline where you have to do 150 minutes of aerobic exercise mm. and twice a week of strength training. And surprisingly, only 19% of adolescents follow this guideline and 17% of adults, 17% of adults follow this guideline. And this, uh, bear in mind, is the bare minimum. Okay, that's not, less, that's, that's just 30 minutes of aerobic exercise five times a week and two times of strength training. So, normally you can do the strength training with the aerobic exercise. So, whichever way you want to do it. you know, If you want to do a one hour aerobic, then it cuts your, the number of days you have to spend. But even with that bare necessity or bare minimum, people are still, we are not even meeting 50% of yeah. that, which is very, very bad. Okay, and the and vast majority of my patients like, walk through my doors have never exercised. Mm-hmm. The first time they will actually exercise is when they get injured. So why there's this these uh, subcategories of people like exercisers and recreational athletes and competitive athletes and elite athletes, uh, just to explain those terms. If you're an exerciser, basically you're doing 2.5 hours a week. So technically, if you're doing 150 minutes plus a, cup, a bit of strength training, that technically falls into two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So that is the bare minimum. But then you have, you actually do exercise with a bit of structure you know with a bit of intent I feel like I want to lose some body fat or gain some muscle mass And but you spend less than 4 hours a week so that makes you a recreational athlete so it's quite cool you become an athlete <laughs> <It>
2: already <laughs> you <know? laughs>
1: you're already an athlete mm. you know then if you have intent that means you have a goal in mind that means I want to compete for the KL Marathon mm. or I want to compete in a powerlifting competition or I want to compete in a bodybuilding competition then you became, become a competitive athlete because you spend more time now training with a very specific intent Okay, so you're talking about less than 10 hours a week, but with the intention to compete. Doesn't matter whether it's in, in within the state or at a national level. Now, when you start competing for your country or competing internationally, then you fall into the elite athlete category. Basically, your job is your, your sport. Mm. So, the exercises, as I said earlier, just try to meet the bare minimum. Mm. Okay, you don't have to do that many exercises. Okay, if you're talking about strength training per se, since we're talking about this, you're talking about four or five exercises per day, twice a week. So you don't have to know f- 20 different exercises. You probably need to know just 10. Mm. And then rinse and repeat.
0: <laughs> some examples. Okay,
1: so for instance, if I had, oh, top of my head. So if you had to do, say, a chair squat or air squat. Okay. Uh, maybe a table push-up. Uh, then you can do maybe some uh, some rows with using bands. Mm. Bands are very accessible, very easy to get them to yes. Lazada.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, then you do maybe some shoulder presses and maybe some bicep curls. That's five exercises. Yeah, You know. You can even, if you if you really have no idea, just do that twice a week. You know, it can, kind of covers. So, basically, when you're doing exercises, there are a couple of tenants that you follow. You have to have a squat variety. You have to have a hinge variety. Mm. Okay? So, a squat variety can be your lunges, can be your squats. I mean, if you have missions, it becomes hex squat, leg presses, and so on and so forth. Then your hinge variety is basically your Romanian deadlifts, your conventional deadlifts. Anything where you're picking up something from the bottom, but you're using mostly your glutes and your hamstrings to do the job.
2: Mm.
1: Okay? And then you have the upper body So the upper body is divided to push and pull movements You have vertical and horizontal movements for each So if it's a vertical push, then it's technically a shoulder press Okay, basically your shoulder's job is to push your hands up Okay, then if it's a horizontal press, it's like a push-up That's where your Mm -hmm. chest muscle comes into play Okay, then if it's a vertical pull That's where your latissimus dorsi and your teres major comes into play Which are pulling muscles Okay? And then your horizontal pulls are somewhere in your upper back and mid-back muscles. So there you go. If you just follow that, those six movement patterns, you actually have covered the entire body.
0: And when you put it like that, it's... uh becomes so much clearer. It's not something you even have to go to a gym to do. Yeah, you you to do uh, some in your bedroom in the morning when yeah. you wake up and perhaps in the evening when you exactly. get
1: home. The right? MCO is a perfect example of what happened. You know, the MCO, none of us had access to the gym. Mm. So we all had to make do with uh, bands and dumbbells or whatever we had at home. But all of those can be done. You know, you can you can strap on a band and do a couple of air squats with a band. You know, or you can do deadlifts with a band. You can do curls with a band dumbbell, Mm. you don't need a lot. You know, you can go to Decathlon and get all these things readily accessible to you and they're not very expensive and they're mostly a one-time investment. You know, maybe for the next three to five years, you invest it once.
0: Uh, So, in strength training also, we um, hear about you have to do so many sets of how many repetitions, you know, those kinds of terms. What are the principles behind that? Why is it important for me to follow a certain set of certain repetitions rather than I just do one hand five times the other hand. <laughs> you, you know, and I think That's there, where understanding why there needs to be that structure, I guess.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, yes, I, I, I agree that just telling someone to do three sets of ten repetitions makes it very simple, you know. Uh, it, but that's what we call in the fitness industry as a template. You know, if someone gives you a template, but if you don't know how to apply the template, then the template either becomes useless it becomes very useful depending on how you know how to use mm-hmm. it. So it all, when, when it comes to re- uh, resistance training, there are this, these things that you mentioned earlier are, the, are called the determinants. Okay, So in the vast majority of things that determines how you adapt to a particular strength training, the two most important terms that probably someone has to know is volume and intensity. So what is volume? Volume, as you said earlier, is sets times reps. Okay, so three sets of 10 repetitions is a volume of 30. Okay, now if you did 3 sets of 12 repetitions the following week, technically you're progressing. And if the repetition moves on, uh, say you go on to 15 repetitions, it becomes a volume of 45.
2: Mm.
1: Okay, so for a particular load, there itself you see a progression in volume. Okay, but again, when you you want to make that a bit more specific, that's when the intensity comes in. Now, it's it's a good understanding that whenever you pick a load to lift, it's best to pick a load that you can lift at least five repetitions from absolute failure. That means you can't do it for, for another repetition. So if if I ask you to curl a particular dumbbell, for instance, a five kilo dumbbell for ten repetitions, and you could do it for fifteen repetitions, that means three sets of ten repetitions is probably a good way to start mm-hmm. because you're about five repetitions from failure. It's not extremely difficult neither is it extremely easy. I see.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm.
1: But say someone who has never done it and felt that 10 repetition itself was actually difficult because they are not neurologically coordinated, they don't have the mental capacity or the mental finesse to actually do that kind of loads, you mm-hmm. can start them with 3 sets of 8 repetitions, 3 sets of 7 repetition, mm-hmm. and progress them to the range where it's, it becomes beneficial. Now, when, if you're a newbie, you've never done resistance training, basically you can throw anything at them and they will adapt.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay? If you do 5 squats, if you could do 15 and you just did 5 a day, you will still see some sort of adaption, adaptation, adaptation, well, though it's minimal at best. But you will see some neurological coordinations happening, some improvements happening. But if you don't have the right dose, then that that the optimal time to gain that adaptation starts getting lengthened. Mm. So you start wasting a lot of time. Yeah. Okay. But when you start off with optimal dose, then your adaptation is also like following a particular schedule. You know, like eight or ten weeks you get all these adaptations that's supposed to come within the first 8-10 weeks. But if mm. you say you deal daily and you train like once a week yeah. and then the next week you don't.
0: So the consistency, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Actually,
1: consistency is extremely important. You know, if, if you're talking about consistency, there's, there's a very good study that was done in 2013 that shows that if an adult, uh, an elderly gentleman, if he consistently exercises for a year with proper intensity and proper volume and stops exercising for seven years after that, he, actually, he or she will still be much stronger than their peers who never exercise I see.
2: Mm. after
1: seven years of not exercising. Mm. So consistency does a whole lot of good, you know? So like, uh, I, I don't need you to go to the gym four times or five times a week. If you can do twice a week for the next whole year, mm. you will see a good amount of changes. Like that is like kudos to you. You can pat yourself on the back.
0: So do that 2023, okay? That's yeah. the thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it's,
1: it's, it, it's the thing is because... People think it's a negotiable. Mm. When it becomes a non-negotiable, you will find a way to do it. Like uh, if you're if you're someone who actually cares about your health, because strength is extremely important. Think about anything that you will do that you will not need strength. At some point, you still have to sit and stand, right? Doesn't matter if you're fifteen or you're eighty; you still have to sit and stand.
0: And you hear of people having trouble even standing up from a sitting position. Exactly. Mm.
1: The, the explanation to that is the lack of strength. Mm. You know So people should not Take strength Like easily Like, you know, it's, it's not, like you, If you want to go to the gym It's just because You want to become Big and bulky No it's not It actually It goes back to your health
0: But a lot of people Also blame me on aging I'm getting older So it's It's uh, You know It's almost Like a fatalistic approach Like This is going to happen anyway So why should I
1: then it goes back to question of how, how would you want to lead your life? What is the quality of life that you expect out of you? Do you want to be uh, assisted your whole after you're 60 years old? Do you That's want sure. to be pushed around in a wheelchair? Or do you want to be independent? And you can ask any elderly person. They will give anything to be independent. Like if I had to go to a toilet and I had to call someone to take me to the toilet, that itself is their independence being uh, robbed away from them. Their ability to actually just manage the activities of daily living is difficult. Yeah. Now with good amount of muscle strength, I'm not talking about how kind of muscle strength, that's enough to manage your daily activities, they'll be much, much more happier. Mm-hmm. They are much, much more functional. They can go Yamcha whenever they want with their friends without needing you to push them around.
0: Does strength improve balance?
1: Okay. So if I had to drive a car on three wheels and one is flat, technically the car loses its balance or it wouldn't be in the best of balance. So likewise with muscle strength. If one limb is stronger than the other eventually there'll be someone in imbalance. Now imagine if both limbs are not strong and you are supposed to be upright. And the fact that your muscles are not working in synchrony with each other, the, the posterior muscles and anterior, the front muscles and the back muscles are not in synchrony with your posture. Mm. Something is going to happen. Some, someone is going to pull a bit harder, someone is going to pull lesser and you're going to fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maintaining posture comes from a balance act. So likewise, with movements, whenever we are moving, we are walking, crossing a road, uh, crossing a drain, everything, that act of the muscles synchronizing with the brain and all of those things and you, tra- your trajectory, okay, if I'm going to cross this drain, I need to place this amount of load on my feet in order for me not to fall over. All of that is because muscles are coordinating these movements with yeah. the brain. Yeah. So with a lack of muscle strength, increases your risk of fall. So majority of our our patients who have hip fractures and, and ankle fractures and wrist fractures, it actually all comes down from the lack of strength leading to the lack of stability and balance leading to pathological fractures.
2: Mm.
1: You know, and, and when we talk about the elderly people, assume that taking calcium makes your bone stronger. That's a big misconception. The calcium needs to know where it needs to go. So just giving people a bunch of calcium and vitamin D doesn't make them stronger. You need to place load onto the bone in order for the calcium and vitamin to is used to fortify the bone. Mm. So with the elderly, like there's a, there's a fantastic study done uh, in, in Australia. It's called the LIFMOS study. So they took a, they took a bunch of females, uh, elderly females who are osteopenic and osteoporotic. Osteopenic means your bone density is going towards being osteoporotic mm. and osteoporosis is already there. And put them to a, a resistance training program for an extended period of time without any medications and see how their bone adapts to it. And these people, of course, they were supervised by experts. And after the end of the study, we saw that these people who are osteoporotic, osteopenic, actually started seeing increments in bone density when you thought all measures were gone. Yeah. And then they extended the study to males and saw the same adaptation. So people telling that the elderly should not be lifting weights, it's, it's just false altogether. Mm. Because when done right, anything can be a strength training I mean I'm not telling them to start lifting 200 kilos you know but any start from something and then make them grow upon it and progress and they will eventually get stronger and the bones get stronger their risk of falls reduces their risk of frailty reduces and eventually you give them back their independence so I know it sounds like you're talking about something like you're trying to make them athletic. No, but they're actually trying... The simple joys in life is dropped away from them when they lose strength.
0: Correct. You know? And speaking of people uh, in the older age as well, um, many of them are also perhaps have had a stroke or other functional uh, disabilities, right? And so how does strength training come in there? Is it suitable for them?
1: Okay. Uh, I, here, I think my, my colleagues in the rehab medicine field will be probably much better to deal with this particular question, but I do know a little bit because I do also have a combined clinic with them where we see stroke patients who have actually passed a certain level of physical therapy and then they come to us for, for a return to community kind of exercise. But what we we see with the rehab specialist, what is Amazing with technology is we have now assistive devices that allows them to uh, like like standing up. Now we have robotics that actually ha- aids them in standing up in order for them to have locomotion put back into their lives. Okay, and then eventually they get re- the, the the amount of aid that's given to them starts reducing and they start getting stronger and mm-hmm. stronger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, the principles are always the same when it comes to strength training. The principles all the volume, the intensity, the choice of exercise, all of it is the same. It's just the magnitude of how you apply each of this you know so for a person who can sit and stand you can't ask them to sit and stand you have to regress the exercise to probably asking them to just kick their legs mm. or move their ankles mm. you know you have to regress the exercise then you add the pieces back together and then they do a complete movement okay so vast majority of, of patients we deal with if they can't do a complex movement or a compound movement mm. where multiple joints are moving together then you regress it to become an isolated movement mm. then you put the pieces back together And then they get back their compound movement. So the same thing happens with uh, the the disabled or the functionally disabled.
0: And just very quickly, uh, what kind of injuries do you see when people don't do strength training properly? Um,
1: Most of the time, it's uh, injuries that are suddenly inflicted upon them. You know, uh, it's like if you had to lift your grandma suddenly and Mm -hmm. she was about to fall and you suddenly held her and then you... Because she did not have the capacity to deal with that kind of load, you get injured. That's one of the ways to get it. And sometimes just some overuse injuries. You'll see this a lot in the working industry, actually. Mostly in the uh, the factory industries. Uh, Like for instance, I had a patient recently came to me with an ankle injury. She has to step a pedal 1,500 times a day. Uh So think about stepping a pedal on your right foot 1,500 times a day for five days a week something is going to... I mean, we are not we are not machines. You can't just replace nuts and bolts in us. So where entire eventually happens and, and this person is not exactly being conditioned to actually do this job. They just get a job and they're like, do this job. So this is where I think where the, the occupational health specialist comes in and monitors these kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, I have lorry drivers who work from 8 in the morning till 12 midnight. Injuries can happen because of just simply being tired they don't even have time time, time to do strength training yeah. you know like we, we ask them to do physiotherapy and they're like doctor when am I going to get this time to do physiotherapy exactly
0: they it's don't, they don't. Wages, yeah. you know. wages income yeah,
1: loss I, at the top of their head is the food on their table not yeah. how their, their limbs are working so it becomes a very difficult situation to deal when you're dealing with this kind of injuries and literally no way out because of their socio-economic problems mm. or other issues that they have you know mm. so those are the injuries that are, are commonly seen as well Of course, I see athletic injuries a fair bit as well,
0: Mm. you know. But what about people who try to do strength training, perhaps on their own, right? Uh, What are some mistakes they might make that would lead to injuries?
1: Majority of the time, it's just technique, how you perform a lift, mm. so proper technique becomes extremely important. You know, you see some really gnarly movements that you see, and it's really scary. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, cringing already on the side. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that doesn't look good at all. You know, like hope nothing breaks. Mm. You know, mm. yeah. But but that's the thing. Uh, as much as I want to talk about techniques, I you. I do want to tell that The body is not as fragile As you think it is It's it's extremely pliable You can adapt To a whole host of things Okay people do amazing things On a regular basis You know things You would never think of But there is Everything has a limit Mm -hmm. Everything has a range At which it becomes Problematic So normally It's either technical issues Or improper loading Okay, that means you mm. progress the loads a bit too fast and what you can deal with, you're asking for trouble mm. with those kinda of things. And you'll see the, the the most seasoned athletes, those guys are just lifting like this particular weight and they just increase by one point two five kilos or two point five kilos on two weekly basis because they have a plan. And majority of people that actually get injured are people who have no plans, <laughs> you know. And as the saying goes, failing to plan is just planning to fail, yeah. you know. So, a lot of people have no idea what to do. So, they just see, okay, this person is doing this, I'm going gonna to do this. This person is doing this, I'm going to do this. I have no idea how to do it, but I'm gonna, just going to try. And then something wrong happens and that's how you get injured. Mm-hmm. So, majority of them in the, in the in the gym, the injury is normally because of you not knowing what you're doing. Because if you talk about like injury statistics, right? Per hundred hours, I mean, like you know, we talk about adolescents and young children and all. Like parents get really, really like scared. Like resistance training or going to a gym itself is going to be very injurious to them, not realizing that being on the field is a lot more injurious. Okay, if you look at statistics, right? Uh, like resistance training injuries in adolescents is about zero point zero zero three five per hundred hours, and rugby is zero point eight per hundred hours. Mm-hmm. So, there's two zeros in front of resistance training before he gets injured. But with rugby and football and badminton, because with resistance training, majority of the injuries that happen is purely due to negligence. You not knowing what you're doing or the coach is not teaching you the right things. Majority of the time, if you do it right, you can control the environment Because it's a controlled environment movement. Not somebody's going to come and tackle you from nowhere to get the ball from you, you know. So everything is controlled. So the risk of injury is really, really low unless you try to outdo yourself or you're doing the wrong things. But with sports, some of times you can't predict those things. You can't predict when you're going to slip and fall or when someone's going to tackle you or when you're going to get pulled aside and those kind of things. So the risk of injury is much higher there. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, how young can children start resistance training?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, if you're talking about just exercising, then their whole life is actually resistance training. Yeah. Yeah. You know, from lifting your head to pushing yourself up, turning yourself around, walking, everything. Those are all, you're seeing little specks of resistance training in their life. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we're talking about going to a gym. So when we look at uh, this, uh, or the place where I got my CSCS talks about this thing called long-term athletic development. So we're talking about from the point, the kid becomes an infant all the way right up to become an athlete. Mm -hmm. So, with children, like in tadika and preschool and those kind of things, we don't want too much structure. Okay, the moment they can walk about and those kind of things, you want to just keep it fun, like asking them to jump from A to B or asking them to throw a ball through a hoop and those kind of things. Yeah, playing with their friends and those, kind of those are forms of registering, but they are very unstructured.
2: We play
1: based. Yes, on. yeah, are tr- you're trying to play with them. Yeah, at the same time, it's actually a form of stress to the muscle. Then they will develop some kind of strength from that. <clears throat> then you move on to about seven, eight years old when they actually can understand what you're saying. When they can follow instructions, then you can start putting structure into their resistance training. And I'm not talking about just asking them to do a bunch of things that is probably non thinking You can ask them to do squats and deadlifts and whatever you want. But because they can understand that with proper loading, proper coaching, proper technique, proper progression, they will actually eventually get stronger and stronger. And the magnitude of how you apply this concept becomes bigger and bigger as they get, I guess, closer towards their adolescence and then moving on to their adult life. Mm. So the principles I said earlier is the same. It's just the magnitude at which you apply it. Of
2: course.
1: Now, of course, if you talk about adolescence, I mean, like children, the first thing that's going to come to probably the listeners is, is that going to cause stunting of growth? Yes. You know, that's again a big myth. It doesn't cause stunting of growth. It actually improves bone growth. And most people don't understand that the height of a child has nothing to do whether they do strength training or not. It's just between the parents. It's mommy plus daddy divide two. That's the average height of the child. The child is not going to become a skyscraper if both the parents are short, no matter what kind of um, uh, food or whatever you give them, you know. So height is predetermined. Okay, but strength training per se doesn't cause stunting or growth. So resistance training per se is actually extremely safe when it's done right.
0: Mm. And extremely important To start with Before kids are thrown Into the field For all those other sports Yes yes,
1: Oh yes That is actually A a very good point That you brought up So I also Because I'm a sports physician I deal with rugby uh, More like Athletic teams So there The parents are Much more educated So they They really Take things Like like strength training Really serious So the kid has to go To the gym To strength train To condition themselves For the sport Mm. So I like That direction But like, there's a good study that was done and see like how education level affects someone's uh, uh, strength training practices, and of course, the more educated you are, the more you know, the more uh, aware you are of the uh, the of strength training. So we have to find a way to get this right down to the, the, the lowest of the hierarchy or the lowest And earning. it really
0: should be done in schools. Yes, right?
1: yes, yes. I mean, think about school. I mean, like, when you talk about school, right, like, if something has to be cut out, like, someone, some particular session has to be cut out, which session would they cut out first? They'll cut PE first. I'm like, why would you cut PE? Okay? Yes, you can teach them all the math in the world. If the kid is obese, the kid is going to have diabetes and hypertension mm-hmm. at a very young age. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm totally against them cutting out PE. And PE should not be, enough. take a ball, go and play. Mm. PE should be proper physical education. You know, school facilities needs to be improved to in- put strength training into the equation simply because when you start them young, they are much, much better off later on in life. Mm. You know, you can avoid things like childhood obesity or reduce the risk at least. Okay. And the kids are much more educated about strength training from the very start. I would like to see that changing in our, in our education system. Mm.
0: And speaking of change, so for listeners looking ahead for 2023, um, what what are your final words to them to be more active, right? Follow those WHO, that very minimal uh, requirements, like you said, and especially working in resistance training.
1: Yeah, I I, I would say that just start. It's never tomorrow. It, it starts today. Like everybody will say, I'm going to start when New Year starts. No, there's no such thing. The more you try to procrastinate, this, the harder it becomes. And don't, don't be worried about falling off the wagon. All of us had fall off the wagon at some point. You know, some of us have broken hopes and those kind of things. You don't see changes as much as you expect it to happen. And then you're like, okay, this doesn't work. Now you have to actually trust the process. You have to understand uh, improving strength, improving muscle mass, is a, it's the long game. Mm. It's a long-term change with some short-term goals in between. So, it's nice. Okay, you say i am got a holiday coming up in June. Then you start working towards the holiday. You start with the short-term goal first. Then you see like majority of people who actually get into it after like three months, they like, wow, this is actually quite interesting. I'm feeling better. I'm sleeping better. I'm moving better. I feel easier to breathe. I look better in my clothes. I get compliments from people and so on and so forth. This itself will get your ball rolling,
2: yeah.
1: you know? And and try not to go into the deep end too fast. Try not to rush into the process like that. Like, you not. Know, too much too soon kind of situation you know and also remember there's no one is judging you like when you walk into a gym right a lot of newbies think that people are judging them, you'd be surprised like the 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 more advanced athletes or the more advanced lifters are very proud of people that like, walk into the gym who are new for the first time, full of enthusiasm to learn. You know? I, I personally would encourage that. I would like like someone who's new, come and ask me questions like how do I do this? I'm more than happy to teach you a couple of things or how to do it or educate you on some things. You know, and you have to understand the information is immense out there, you know, if you look for it. You know, if you scroll through all a bunch of memes, then probably gonna le- not going to learn anything. But if you actually go and follow the right people and listen to the right people, right influencers out there, because at the end of the day, as a doctor, I still want to see most people not coming to my clinic for every single thing, you know? I mean, yes, when you get truly injured, then yes, fine. But things that could be avoided, we should prevent it. And as the saying goes, prevention is better than cure. Yeah. You know, so this is prevention. Strength training should start today, no matter what your age is. If you're eighty years so old and plan to start today, please do. Because there's no such thing as you're too old for this or I'm too young for this. It's just how you apply the concepts based on what you can do at this point. And if you are not sure what to do, you can always get a trainer if you can afford. You know, now with online coaching and everything around there it's it's becoming really accessible.
0: All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I've been speaking to Dr. Arvind Raj, sports medicine physician and a certified strength and conditioning specialist about resistance training, something you should start today. Not tomorrow. Today. <laughs> today. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM
1: app